Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. In celebration of Mother's Day and International Women's Day, we'll be hearing from past guests who have successfully balanced a full-time legal career and the responsibilities of being a mother. In this unique episode, we feature six guests who have thrived in the law whilst bringing up children. They appeared on the show between December 2019 and February 2021, a period where there was, of course, much societal change due to COVID-19, lockdowns and increased remote working. They give their perspective of balancing family life with career demands and explains why having children shouldn't prevent legal success. We also hear from women who are working to highlight women's issues in the law and improve representation at this level. In our first feature, we hear from the incredible Mandeep Corverdi, the managing partner of Cor Maxwell. I spoke to her in December 2019, and it was one of our most popular episodes of season one. Not only does she manage to run a successful practice whilst bringing up children, she founded the firm whilst eight months pregnant. In this extract from the interview, she explains her decision to start a law firm despite having a baby on the way. I ended up in a situation where I was in a practice where the senior partner who was the sole owner of the practice became quite unwell. And instead of me going on maternity leave like I should have been um, at around seven months pregnant, he told me he was closing the practice down. Wow. So I had a decision to make at that time and it was just before Christmas. Actually, this time of year just makes me think back to two years ago when this happened. Yeah. And I remember being absolutely ginormous. I couldn't even get into London. I was so heavily pregnant. It was unreal. Um, I had mediations, case, uh, case hearings coming up over the period that I was away. The last thing I thought of was, well, hold on a second. Let me just try and find another job and move myself and move my staff and, and so on. Um, so I, I still tried, I went for a couple of interviews and I was sitting there and I thought, well, okay, I'm having this conversation with people and they kept asking me over and over again. And like being completely brutally honest, this is what kept happening. And as much as I'd like to say, we've come away from that mentality that women and men are treated equally. Mm. You can't hide from the fact that someone who's seven months pregnant um, is sitting right in front of you and they're not going to treat you differently because they absolutely were. The conversation mostly surrounded well, how long are you going to take on maternity leave? You know, what if things don't go to plan? Things that as a first time mother, you're already nervous about. You don't really know how you're, how you're going to be when you have a baby. You're obviously praying that everything's fine. But at seven months pregnant, I was under so much stress. I was just worrying about everything all the time, not sleeping. I was worrying about my cases. And I, having taken on cases, I I really do feel that sense of responsibility and I never was that type of employee or lawyer that could go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's someone else's problem. So I had a conversation with my husband after I think my second interview and he just said to me, and he's not a lawyer. He said to me, if you weren't pregnant right now, what would you do? And I said, well, I would take over the business. And he said, well, then just do it and we'll figure it out. And I said, but how? I mean, we're going to be parents for the first time. We don't even know what it's going to be like. You're actually telling me to start a law firm, you know? And I think that probably caused arguments for about two yeah. weeks. I was like, how dare you say that to me? Why? And he was like, but I'm, I'm encouraging you because I know you can do it. So to be fair, I, I wasn't positive about it, but I was like, let's just see how it goes. So made the application to the SRA. 
Um, and every single step of the way, I kept saying, well, if it's meant to be, it will happen. It will go in my favor. And yeah, so at eight months pregnant now, because everything was happening so quickly, it was December. Um, my daughter was supposed to be born in January. Yeah, nothing went to plan the way it should have, but yet everything sort of found its own place. So ended up getting authorized by the SRA, got insurance, professional indemnity insurance, um, basically managed the other firm, started my own firm, went off and had a baby, came back. So how long did you have off? I bet you didn't have a great deal of time off knowing you. In all honesty, yeah. uh, <laughs> I did check my emails the next day after, wow. I'd, uh, after I'd had Tira. Yeah, um, it, it did happen. But it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It was the hardest year of my life. I cannot deny that. Um, but yeah, I, it felt at that moment that I had two babies because I literally had a law firm, which is a business is a nurture, whatever you do, whichever, whether it's service-based or product-based, you need to nurture it. You need to grow it. You need to be a part of it. You can't just run it from afar. Mm. And obviously with a baby, it's a baby. You need yeah. to be a part of that as well. But actually I had to go from being just an individual person who was married, just almost quite living quite a selfish lifestyle to learning how to care for a little person and instead of just being an employee, learning how to, to be a manager and to manage and to actually be a partner of a law firm. So those things all came at me at the same time. And I had to learn two completely new roles that I had never done before. As summer 2020 came to an end, I was delighted to be joined by Alice Stevenson on the show. She is the founder of Stevenson Law, a forward-thinking, innovative law firm. It prides itself on its startup clientele and lack of corporate stuffiness. After working in HR and a consultancy, she decided to start the firm while she was pregnant. Similar, therefore, to Mandeep of Core Maxwell. In the following part of the interview, Alice describes how getting pregnant at 18 did not impede her goal to start a law firm. She also discusses her work for Inclusive Angels, a VC firm which funds female partners. One of your, your goals you, you've set is obviously to inspire young women to challenge the perceived barriers to success and see that anything is possible. Tell us more about that motivation and, and, and that goal. I mean, I think it probably stems from back when I was 18 and pregnant and having a baby and being told that that was going to be a huge barrier to my success and thinking at the time that it wasn't going to be. There was no reason why that needed to be the case. And I think, you know, from there on, I've been aware of barriers existing, but I've never really allowed them to stop me in any way. So, you know, when I decide that I want to start a law firm and I'm talking to people about that, then I get lots of comments. So you can't do that. The insurance is going to be too expensive. You're never going to be able to take a day off. You're not going to have any clients, all of these things. You know, people tell you why you can't do what you want to do. And if I'd listened to them, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am now. So I think it's really important that people realize that, you know, these barriers that exist, either because other people are putting them up or you're putting them up, they're just basically problems that have to be solved. And there's always a solution to a problem. So one of the barriers that exists is um, the gender inequality that exists in the legal industry. So being a female lawyer is a barrier to a lot of things, to promotion, to getting paid properly, 
the research is out there that gender equality is still very much an issue in our industry and a barrier to our success. But that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. You can still overcome those barriers. You just need to be aware of them and you just need to tackle them head on, really. So I think I just really want people to realize that you don't have to just see a problem in front of you and and stop. You can look at that problem, that barrier, and figure out a way to get around it. And that's definitely the the entrepreneurial skill set in, in in you coming out. So you, and I guess that leads nicely onto. I know you you're a co-founder of um, Inclusive Angels. Do you want to tell us more about about that? Uh, yeah, sure. So I mean, Inclusive Angels it's still in its very early stages, but the idea behind it is that we want to address some of the gender inequalities that exist in the angel investing scene. So. At the moment, only 1% of venture capital money goes to female founders, which is really quite staggering. And there's a whole multitude of issues going on about why female founders are not getting the funding that they should be getting. And on the flip side of that, there's also a gender imbalance in the actual angel investment community because the majority of angel investors are men. So that kind of perpetuates the problem. And and one of the things that we're trying to do with Inclusive Angels is raise awareness of these issues, trying to break down some of the barriers that are preventing women from becoming angel investors, because actually we're finding that one of the primary reasons why women don't angel invest is, is that they don't really know anything about it and they don't know where to go to find out about it themselves. And finding a network that you can go to that's inclusive and welcoming of women is actually harder than it really should be. So that's something that we're, we're trying to tackle. It's obviously a massive problem, but hopefully we can sort of do a small bit to, to make it a little bit better. Being a lawyer and let alone a legal entrepreneur is demanding for all. Long hours, tough targets, business risks and office politics can make the working day tiresome and stressful. For some, this can take the toll on relationships. We're fortunate enough to speak with an expert on this topic, divorce consultant Katie Alexiou. Katie is also the co-founder of Level, a well-ranked boutique lending firm. Friendly and highly empathetic, her episode was an enlightening insight of some of the most common causes of divorce. In the full episode, she also discussed her career journey, divorce funding and trends in the area in light of COVID-19. In this extract, she explains the risks of overwork when it comes to relationships. She also describes how her own personal life as a wife and mother's helps her legal career. As anyone involved in, in giving divorce advice, you have quite a good insight into the pitfalls um, and, and where you can go wrong in marriage. And I think the main one is taking your partner for granted or not noticing your partner and not making enough effort, which then can have the knock-on effect of somebody else giving that partner the attention that they need from you. And then an affair might take place and then the marriage combusts. So I think the main advice I would give to someone who wants to have a happy and successful marriage is to appreciate each other and be kind. I mean, I keep saying coming back to kindness, but it's quite simple to be kind. It's nice to be kind and it goes a long way to having a happy marriage. So I think no marriage is without conflict. I don't think it's actually healthy to have no conflict uh, at all, but being able to resolve things sensibly and reasonably and keep laughing and keep being kind is vital. 
No, and I, I love the way you've put that. And, you know, the, the, the word I always sort of got told as well is around attention. You know, make sure yeah. that, you know, you put your attention in the areas that really matter the most, because ultimately those will be the pe- people that will be picking up the pieces when anything ever goes wrong. But it's all too easy yeah. to fall into that trap, isn't it? I think with people with busy careers or trying their yeah. best to, you know, do you think money and people sort of greed, you know, striving to earn as much as they can for the best of their family is that? where people maybe lose sight of what matters. Do you see that as a sort of common thing? Yeah, I do see that. And actually, I have a client at the moment. His marriage is ending. He doesn't want it to end. And he has been working every hour to provide for his family. And he lost sight of what he was actually working for. And he's so full of regret now that his marriage has ended that he didn't put more attention into the relationship itself and into the family itself. Because during the time that he's been focused on work, thinking he was doing the best for his family, the marriage has actually just fallen to pieces. And so I do think you've got to keep your eye on what's important. We work so that we can have a nice life. And so it's not all about work. It's actually about a balance. And it's so easy to save the best of you for everybody other than your partner. But really important not to do that. Absolutely. And you are, you know, as you mentioned, you're a wife, you're a mother. You've experienced a demanding career. How do you think those experiences have helped you with advising clients over the years? Well, I think the only thing I haven't done is got divorced. And I think that clients really liked, really, really like to speak to someone who has experience of something that they're going through themselves. So actually, I like to have a chat with my clients on quite an honest and candid basis. And I'll go, oh, God, yeah, bloody man, you know, that happens to me too. And this is how I handle it. So I think any any shared experience is really helpful in, in the work that I do. You know, I, I speak to women who've never worked or I speak to people who have really high-flying careers. And I think it helps to have had a foot in, in, in both of those camps at one point or another. Our next highlight is from Olga Mack, CEO of legal tech firm Parley Pro. Parley Pro is a cloud-based contract management and negotiation platform based in California. In addition to her work for the firm, she's also a woman's advocate. In this extract, she discusses her work on SB 826, a California law, which means that it is now compulsory for firms based in the state to have two to three women on their boards, depending on their sides. It's a significant achievement for diversity in the US and is similar to laws in France, Germany and Norway. It's proved controversial and has been challenged by conservative pressure groups in the state. My journey to uh, women servant boards uh, was when I became a general counsel. I found myself to be the only person in the boardroom uh, who is a woman. And in many events, I found myself uh, to be also the only woman. And so ultimately, through reflection, I do think that the boardroom, where it starts and where the, the tone is set from the top, and um, I, I was compelled to start a social media campaign. Uh, which is where I learned uh, the extent of what's possible on social media. It was specifically Twitter, to some extent, LinkedIn campaign. And um, I was able to convince about 12 Fortune 500 companies uh, to um, find their first female director. When I was done with that, I was a little proud of myself, but I also realized that this was not really moving the needle fast enough. Um, And I wanted to see change at scale which is the reason why I was involved in drafting of SB 826, which is a law in California that requires public companies doing business in California to find one to three directors that are women, their boards, 
uh, I was advocating, I was drafting, I was testifying, and I also made sure that Governor Brown uh, signed this law. This law had a huge impact on, for many reasons, for many levels. Uh, one is because California is an important state and it really affects companies that are not necessarily incorporated in California, and I'm very proud of this fact. Um, and um, also, uh, it really normalized the conversation about lack of women uh, in leadership and boardroom. And I, I am really proud of the fact that I was able to advance this conversation from point A to point B, and numerous others, very powerful institutions and individuals are now continuing this movement, and I, it really makes me happy to see it go forward. But the biggest thing that I'm really proud of um, is that now um, I see young women who graduate from college, and they start planning their boardroom journey after college. They, they may realize that maybe getting to be a director of a Fortune 500 company will take a few steps and they start planning it early. And so what I'd like to say is that SBA 26, which is model after laws in Europe, really has given girls and women an ability to dream about things that they were not able or didn't even think of dreaming before. And, and that makes me uh, incredibly proud of what SB 826 has um, accomplished. In our final snippet, we hear from Jane Beckett, a finance law partner at Field Fisher. I was delighted to speak to her earlier this year on her career, legal philosophy, and future ambitions. In the following part of the interview, Jane discusses why being a mother shouldn't stop you from having a great career. She also discussed how being a working mum was challenging, but ultimately worth it. I say this to a lot of team members that I work with and colleagues, you know, there's never a right time uh, in your career, in this career in particular, to decide to have children. Um, although <laughs> I must say that lockdown seems to have sparked a few pregnancies. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, there's never a perfect time because you're always going to worry, am I going to miss out on, you know, this opportunity or that opportunity or uh, clients and contacts going to forget about me? I think I decided that I wanted that to be part of my life um, relatively early on. So I, you know, I tried not to, I tried to think of the career as a marathon and not to let that get in the way. And I knew that I wanted more than one child as well, because I'd, I have siblings, but they're 20 odd years older than me. So I, I was almost raised as an only child and I, I missed that having a sibling relationship. So I wanted that for my children. Um, so I had two. I've got a daughter, Gracie's 10, and a son who was eight just this week um, called Zach. Ah. So, yeah, it's, it's been a happy time. And I always think, don't, you know, I've seen so many successful women who've got big families, you know, three or four children, and they've still made a massive success of their career because you can step in and step out and then back in again if you have the right support networks around you thank you so much for listening to this unique highlights episode we created this to celebrate the achievements of working mothers who play an important role in the legal industry and society as a whole as a forward-thinking progressive show we have been encouraged by positive changes in the industry over the last few years the pandemic notwithstanding 
Our main episodes will return next week, earlier than planned due to popular demand. We look forward to starting season four and hope all our listeners around the world stay safe and keep well.